Welcome to My Bible Study, a verse-by-verse devotional study through the Bible with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. In this unique series, Pastor Bob takes you through the Bible just a few verses at a time. No preaching, just a simple Bible reading with examples and explanations of the meaning behind the Scriptures. My Bible Study will take you from Genesis chapter 1 all the way through the book of Revelation. Now, here is Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello everyone everywhere, this is Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Welcome to My Bible Study. Praise the Lord, we're so blessed that you're joining us today. My Bible Study, the verse-by-verse walk through the Bible. We'll be studying Genesis chapter 4 today, so if you have your Bibles, turn over there. And this is a very important chapter because it shows the progression of sin. And you're going to see that as we go through this. And it details the first murder committed in the body of Christ. Well, not the body of Christ, in mankind. So you got to excuse me a little bit. I'm uh, battling this cold and flu bug. And, you know, my voice sounds a little funny today. That's the reason why. Praise the Lord. But by his stripes, I am healed. Amen. All right. Chapter 4, Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he did not have respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why are you wroth? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, shall you not be accepted? If you don't do well, sin lies at the door, and unto you shall be his desire, and you shall rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. We'll just stop right there for a second. Genesis chapter 4 details the first murder. When Cain kills his brother Abel in a fit of angry, basically jealousy. And both brothers were bringing the fruit of their work as offerings to God. Cain as a farmer, and he brings some of the fruit of the ground, with no indication in the biblical text that this is the first or the best of his produce. Okay, Now, that's what you see later on in the Bible when they go through the types of offerings you're supposed to give. But, but Cain brought the fruit of the ground as an offering unto the Lord. And it's supposed to be, you know, cur- corn and herbs and seeds. And some sources say it was flaxseed. And another writer observes that Cain brought really what was left over from his food. Or the light or triple things. You know, I'll just give this to God. And, you know, flax, hemp seed, things like that. And this he either brought to his father, Adam, who... You know, remember, Adam walked with God, okay? And he knew these offerings meant something to God. So it could be that Cain and Abel brought their their offerings to Adam, who would be acting as the priest, I guess you could say, in going to God with the offerings. Or, uh, you know, they could have offered them themselves at an appointed place of religious worship uh, for such sacrifices. It's probably, uh, if that is the the situation, then it's probably going to be at the east 
of the entrance of the Garden of Eden where the cherubims were situated to guard the entrance back into the Garden of Eden, you know, not allow Adam and Eve or anyone else to get back in there, guarding the tree of life. Now, Abel is a shepherd, and he brings the firstlings, the best, the fat portions of his flock, Genesis 4.4 says. And although both are producing food, they are neither working nor worshiping together. You can see that. Work is no longer a place of good relationships. Remember, part of the curse was that you would have to work and sweat to survive. And that's what they're doing. The ground is cursed. Uh, you know, Cain is having to till the ground. He's, he's working hard, trying to plant the seed and keep it watered and keep the weeds out, keep the animals out of it. And Abel is also working hard out in the field, protecting the sheep and, and making sure they don't get hurt or sick and, and taking care of them, making sure they don't get lost. So both of them are working, but they're not close to each other because the animals would eat the plants. So, you know, Cain doesn't want the animals around his, his gardens. And, the you know, Abel doesn't want the sheep to be hurt by... Uh, Cain and trying to keep them away from the garden or anything like that. So they're separated. They're not in fellowship one with another. And we see that a lot today in today's workplace as well, don't we? Where people in different departments, well, that's not my job. That's such and such department. You still work for the same company. You are still part of the same organization, but yet you don't want to extend customer service. You know, that's one thing I like about places like Home Depot. You could be down in the uh, hardware aisle and ask a question, and that person will take you all the way across the store to show you where the thing is you're looking for. Okay, That's a great customer service type of, of environment there. You, know, you get in some of these stores, and you're down on aisle 9, and they say, oh, let me think. Uh, I think that's up on aisle 37. So you walk all the way up to aisle 37, you're still not finding what you're looking for, and then you ask someone else, uh, oh, no, that's over on aisle 11. Just two over. Yeah. Poor customer service. But here you see a good example of two brothers from the same family. Both have a very important function in providing food for the family, but they don't even talk to each other. They don't work together. They don't associate together until it's time for them to give this offering. That's what they're doing. Okay, and then it says, And Abel brought the firstlings, firstlings of his flock. Now, since he was a shepherd, his flock consisted of sheep, and the firstlings of these, the newborn lambs uh, that were brought forth, he presented the best one as an offering to the Lord. And, you know, which were afterwards they were used in sacrifice and, and were a proper type of, of representation of Christ, Jehovah's firstborn, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. A lamb without spot or blemish, Scripture says. And it fitly signified by one of the Lamb's innocence. It hasn't done anything wrong, right? Harmless, meekness. And the scripture says the fat thereof. That means completely. Uh, it's to be understood either the, the fat, fat properly, which would be make a big you know smoke and things like that, 
but it's more uh, intended to show that it was completely offered to the Lord. And you can read about that in Leviticus chapter 3, verse 16. The fattest one of the flock, the best lambs he had, the fattest, the plumpest, which were mostly free from any defects or blemishes, not the torn, lame, sick, you know, but that which was perfect, without spot. That's the one Abel brought to the sacrifice for God. And for, because God's supposed to be served with the best we have. You know, Cain, on the other hand, didn't do that. We have, we have people do that in church today. You know, God blesses them with a huge off, you know, a huge uh, bonus or paycheck or something like that. Let's say they get a thousand dollar Christmas bonus. You know, I'm not a legalistic saying, well, ten percent belongs to God, but the, you know, to give five dollars, I mean, come on, really? You know, that that's like a nickel off. Not even a nickel. You get blessed with ten dollars, and you give a nickel in the offering plate. Okay, God sees the heart. He sees what, how much you trust Him. God sees the heart of how much you honor Him. That's not saying that you know these preachers that get on there and say, if you give a twenty-five percent offering today, I know God's gonna bless you. Someone, God's told me that somebody is gonna be blessed immensely because they're gonna give a one thousand dollar offering to our ministry right now. You know, no, I'm not saying that at all. Okay, but I'm saying don't do it grudgingly. God loves a cheerful giver. Scripture says, right, and. When you give, he's able to give back to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, or running over. And I love this scripture. Men shall give into your bosom. You know, God doesn't create money. You know, the gold and the precious stones and all of that up in heaven, yeah, they're in heaven, but that's not currency in heaven. God uses it as concrete and asphalt. It's precious down here. And God's already provided, everything has been provided, as we studied in Genesis chapter 1. Everything man needs was provided at creation. That includes money and currency and wealth and all of that. It's God who gives you the power to obtain wealth. Amen? So what happens is, down here, we put value on currency. Well, if you're going to value something, you should also show that value to God. You know, because you're poor does not mean that God is going to rain down gold from heaven. He's definitely not going to counterfeit any American currency and just have that rain down from heaven. No, God's already created everything. He uses other people to move it around on the earth. So if you're trusting him, you show it through your giving, through your offerings. If you're trusting him, you show it by Presenting your offerings to him. It's got to be something precious, something that means something to you. And in doing so, you are demonstrating to God that you completely trust him. Think of the woman with the two mites. Jesus says she gave more than everybody else who was throwing in all this other money. She just had a couple of pennies through there, but she gave all that she had. She goes, this two cents isn't going to help me at all. I'm giving it to you, God. You're my provider. I'm going to give you what I have and just trust you that you'll take care of what I need. And we're still talking about her 2,000 years later. Praise the Lord. Don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. Amen. Now, Josephus says that when Abel gave his offerings, 
it was milk, the firstlings of the flock. Uh, a word with the same letters, just pointed differently, signifies milk in the concordance. And some learned men have given into the sense that observing to be accustomed with the Egyptians and to sacrifice milk to their gods, but the word used here is never used for milk. Okay, nor were any such sacrifices ever used by the people of God. An able sacrifice is called by uh, the a, a slain sacrifice, and the Lord had respect to Abel and his slain sacrifice and to his offering. Now, these scriptures are saying that it was related to what he had designed and appointed to be used for a sacrifice in a future time and as being a suitable type and, and representation of the Messiah and, and Jesus' sacrifice, especially as being offered up by faith. That's the important part. It was offered by faith in a view to the sacrifice of Christ, which is a sweet-smelling Savior to God, and which sin only is atoned and satisfied for, is Jesus' sacrifice. Okay, But this sacrifice was a representation of Jesus' sacrifice. And God looked at Abel's sacrifice with a smiling countenance. He took it and expressed delight. He was well-pleased and satisfied with it. And God recognized it as a representation of the coming Messiah, Jesus, and his sacrifice, and then his offering in view of that sacrifice. But unto Cain and to his offering, he didn't have respect. Not because of the matter of it, okay? As some think, well, he just, he could have used some of his grain and gotten a meat offering from his brother and given it. No, 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 that, that's not the purpose it was it was because it was not offered in faith and sincerity. It was just a formal, hypocritical, check-the-block type of thing, much like what we see with Christians today in church. Well, I got to give my $5, my $2, my $3. Here you go. Boop. Okay. I gave. Hey, God, look. Look at me. Here's my $5 check. All right. Don't shut me down when I'm preaching good now. That's the type of attitude Cain had when he brought in the leftover fruits and vegetables and said, here, you can have this. Without any thought to the one who's going to come and crush the devil's head, without any thought to the coming Messiah, the Savior, and his sacrifice, without any view to the glory of God, no notice was taken, no thought, no preparation, or any such thing. It was just brought in and dropped off. That's it. So God himself let Cain know that his attitude towards the sacrifice was not acceptable. And Cain, probably one embarrassed, but he got wroth, Scripture says, with God to whom he offered the offering because he didn't accept it. And he was angry with his brother because he and his sacrifice were preferred over his. And scripture says his continence fell. The cheerfulness, his cheerfulness left. And he looked dejected. And instead of lifting up his face towards heaven, he looked down at the ground. 
just a little upset. He looked like he was angry. He looked like he was probably ready to throw a temper tantrum. You know the look. You know what I'm talking about. It was as if he was studying which way he could vent. Probably crushed his brows and gritting his teeth. I tell you what. Good thing you're a spirit, because if you were a man right now, I'd give you a thing or two. It's probably what he's thinking, right? And there may have been seen in his face all the signs, not of not just grief and disappointment, but rage, fury. Through you know, some interpret it as part of shame and confusion. He didn't know how to. He he wanted to lash out. You know, he wanted to, you know, if he was in a house with drywall, he'd put his fist through the wall and through the drywall. He just wanted to reach out and do something. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? Why is your attitude changed? Which was said, you know, not as being ignorant of his wrath and his resentment, but to bring him, bring Cain to a, a conviction of his sin, which that was really the root cause of God rejecting his sacrifice, to try and bring him to repentance, to show him that, that he had no cause to be displeased either with him or his brother because of the different treatment and the, the, the offering. Since the fault was really in his own attitude, he had nobody to blame but his own conduct, which... For the future, he should take care to regulate according to God's divine will, and things would be different with the next offering. That's what God's trying to get across to him. Look, you know, you, the attitude you used in bringing this to me, that's, that's not acceptable. You need to change your attitude, and that will put you in the right mindset to bring your offering, and when then it would be acceptable. You know, God looks with favor on the offering of Abel, but not of Cain. In this first mention of anger in the Bible, God warns Cain not to give in to it, but to master his resentment and work for a, a, a better result next time. Thank you for joining Pastor Bob as he leads you verse-by-verse verse through the Bible in this series called My Bible Study. We pray this study will bring you closer to God and reveal His Word and His will for you through the Scriptures. We would consider it an honor and a blessing if you would support this outreach with your financial offerings. We have partnered with Patreon to offer you unique gifts and benefits for various levels of giving. Please visit our page on Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash my Bible study podcast, all one word. That link again is patreon.com forward slash my Bible study podcast, all one word. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.